are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hello, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I am so excited to be on the mic, to be recording and publishing today's episode. So thank you again. I am so grateful to have you all with me, especially all of the conversations that a lot of you had with me over the week. I had some Zoom calls, lots of emails, personal conversations on social media, and some of it was healthy debate, some of it was teachable moments for me, some of it was my opportunity to teach and educate you, and it was all in love, and I really, really love the opportunity to be able to engage. I plan on being a centennial, you guys. Yes, living over 100 years old actually runs in my family, so in the grander scheme of things, I am like practically an infant. (laughs) But seriously, I, even though I have wisdoms of my own that I'm really secure about and confident in, I definitely have mostly room to grow and to be taught lots of different ways to think about ideas and to come up with new solutions. And I want to always be open-minded for that with a side of my own wisdom and intuition, as shall all of you be as well. So it was really a cool experience last week, especially following last week's episode where I shared that personal experience. So definitely grateful for that. I did a lot of soul searching. And even though I do not have all of the answers to my questions, I definitely have really good questions for myself that I want to meditate on over the next several months. As like all of you, I am so open over social media or well social media too that was a freudian slip i am over social distancing (laughs) all of it right i cannot wait to get back to some of my normal creature type comforts um and habits you know practicing in studio with all of you teaching classes getting back to workshops traveling Just smiling at people and seeing them smile back, noticing how much I actually read lips now that I can't see lips and, um, you know, just getting back to whatever our new normal will be, even though I do not think it's going to look exactly like it did. It's going to be a while, Um, but, you know, we're adaptable and it's all hopefully for the betterment of the world the entire community of the world, of the human race. (laughs) Alrighty, you guys. So today, we're going to continue the conversation of inclusivity in the yoga community. So let's consider this a part two. So I'm going to be back with a really awesome way to go about talking about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. So stay tuned after this really brief break. Thanks, yogis. Hey, 
yogis, find a new feature at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out today's show notes for a link to where you can find over a hundred free audio yoga classes. Simply pick your class, press play, and I will meet you on the mat. Namaste. Welcome back, yogis. So we're going to dive deeper into part two of inclusivity in the yoga community. And we're going to actually talk about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. And although I am completely able to talk about this topic from my perspective, I thought it might be wise to lean on an article that was written, or I should say published, May 1st, 2019 by Yoga Journal. It was written by Rena or Rena Despande. I probably am mispronouncing her name. Please forgive me. I loved this article. So I wanted to bring it from her perspective as an Indian American yoga and mindfulness researcher and teacher. She talks about what she considers to be the difference. And so let's go ahead and let's dive right in. I will be reading this article from her perspective, maybe inserting some of my thoughts and comments as we go along. But again, you can check out the show notes for a link to the original article. So a first generation Indian American yoga and mindfulness researcher and teacher reflects on what feels misrepresented and appropriative to her and modern yoga. From her perspective, When I began contributing to yoga research five years ago, I was invited to a meeting to discuss how to bring yoga and mindfulness practices to university campuses as wellness initiatives. 13 out of 15 American administrators and researchers at the conference table happened to be white. The only exceptions being me and another Indian American woman. The person in charge had thoughtfully invited both of us, though newer to research, we were experienced in yoga teachings because of our South Asian culture and decade-long practices. Entering the room was both moving and intimidating. On one hand, I was honored to share my cultural and personal understandings of yoga On the other hand, I was one of only two non-white people in a group of gathering to talk about a practice that originated in India. Conscious of my identity, I used yogic principles to set aside my conditioned fears and preconceptions and opened my mind to discussing yoga, the practice of self-realization that has transformed my life. I soon found myself in respectful conversation with everyone at the table. Yoga and mindfulness-based practices can provide what we call healing in Eastern tradition and what we call physiological and psychological benefits in Western research. Although we used different words, we were saying similar things until the middle of the meeting. One of the administrators said, 
will need to create a set of guidelines to ensure absolutely no Eastern symbols, bells, or words are used in yoga classes. We can't make anyone uncomfortable or offend them by suggesting spirituality. Now, I don't believe that Indian words or symbols are required for people to benefit from yoga, but this leader who was in favor of creating an inclusive yoga experience for all wanted to remove any sign of the land where the practice originated. She overlooked the fact that two yoga teachers with Indian heritage sitting right across from her were the ones left to nurse our exclusion and offense. Invisible oppression is something many Indians have been forced to endure in quiet pain for centuries. Like when you learned about a popular yoga movement called no om zone a no chanting no granola no sanskrit practical guide to yoga the irony of a movement like this is that it renders fear of foreign words while allowing itself to brand and use the indian practice of yoga a sanskrit word signifying unity or yoke now, those without access to an in-depth history education might lighten this to a question of political correctness or cries by minorities for cultural recognition, but it goes so much deeper. Yoga is an ancient spiritual practice of self-realization that originated in India, but in addition to Indian devotional practices such as sacred dance, it was perceived as threatening, ridiculed, and banned among its own people in its own land under British colonization beginning in the 1700s and lasting until the mid-1900s. Today, yoga is often marketed by affluent Westerners to affluent Westerners, and Indians, ironically, are marginally represented, if at all. Now, while this multi-billion dollar industry is offering much-needed well-being to Western practitioners, it's reinflicting the same violation on India and Indians, invisibility and misrepresentation. So what is cultural appropriation? Now, in recent years, conversation has begun around the cultural appropriation of yoga. Cultural appropriation is taking, marketing, and maybe even exploiting of cultural practices from historically oppressed populations. Now, the problem is incredibly complex and involves two extremes. The first is the sterilization of yoga by removing evidence of its Eastern roots so that it doesn't offend Westerner practitioners. Now, the opposite extreme is glamorizing yoga in India through commercialism, such as Aum tattoos or t-shirts sporting Hindu deities or Sanskrit scriptures that are often conflated with yoga or the choosing of actual Indian names for yourself. Now, yoga teachers and students are starting to ask the question, what is the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation? And how can I still practice yoga without being offensive? Now, the terminology cultural appropriation in and of itself is a way of diluting the fact that we're actually talking about racism. 
It undermines what is happening as only culturally inappropriate as not to disrupt mass yoga marketing, leading us to ask surface level questions like, I don't want to be culturally inappropriate, so how can I show cultural appreciation appropriately? It's not about appreciation versus appropriation. It's about understanding the role of power and the legacies of imperialism. Now, with all of that said, the goal of these conversations should not be for white practitioners to stop practicing yoga, but rather for them to please take a moment to look outside of yourself and understand how the history of yoga practice in the United States is intimately linked to larger forces, such as oppression. And the fact that a devotional practice that was free of cost for thousands of years is now being marketed and sold. Now, as an Indian American teacher, practitioner, and writer, I often ponder why this means so much to me, again, from her perspective, right? And why I can't offer simple bullet points for what makes something appreciative versus appropriative of yoga. I just know when I start to feel sick or hurt, like a conference table, when, like at a conference table, when an administrator suggests that Eastern elements such as bells used to train the mind to focus on the present will threaten the comfort of white American practitioners. Or when the young CEO of a new yoga, yoga organization asks me where she can get her 300-hour yoga certification done the fastest. Missing that yoga is a lifelong process of balanced living. Or when I see social media celebrities and yoga advertisements promoting athletic, model-like bodies and sexy apparel, potentially encouraging more attachment to items and creating insecurities rather than relieving people of suffering. Or when I'm walking by a shop with parents, with her parents, only to see their confusion over why holy Hindu scriptures, which my father can read being literate in Sanskrit, were printed on a hoodie and tossed into a cell pile. I think they don't realize that these are not just designs. These are words that carry deep meaning for people, my father says. So questions to ask about cultural appropriation. His sentiments make me realize that many Western yoga companies and consumers are unaware of what they are branding and buying. And that's what we need to change together by asking deeper questions such as, do I really understand the history of the yoga practice I'm so freely allowed to practice today that was once ridiculed and prohibited by colonists in India? Am I continuing to learn? Am I comfortable with the practices and purchases I'm choosing to make or should I make some changes? Does the practice I live promote peace and integrity for all? Educating ourselves like the practice of yoga can be seen as an evolutionary process. Start where you are. You may have already developed a lot of awareness that is becoming more finely tuned. And for some, Indian or not Indian, experienced yoga practitioners or not, this article is a first-time exposure to something you never realized. So that concludes the article, yogis. I am going to give you some of my thoughts on this article. And um, I'm really curious what it starts to stir up for many of you. 
So right off the bat, as a woman of color, I completely identified with the author's words. I think that there is a fine line between appropriation and appreciation of other cultures. I do believe that if we can focus on other cultures and being able to illuminate what makes them so special, this is truly the way to eradicate racism, which, as she mentioned in her article, is really the underlying tone of what is going on here. It's really not about appropriation at all. It's really um, a much more deep-rooted issue in so many ways. And one of the things that I love about the appreciation of other cultures is being able to learn about it in its totality to really involve yourself, to really be engaged. Think about learning another language or learning a dance like salsa or how to make an ethnic cuisine. You know, you're coming from a place of wanting to understand, learn, and experience, not change or degrade or even upgrade. And so when we think about yoga, it's really important to ask ourselves, are we the problem or the solution? Now, I have so many thoughts about this, and I was going to make this one big episode. But after reading the article on the podcast, I really realized that this is a good place to stop for now to really think about and do our own reflection, our own self-reflection, even just reflecting in and around the community as a whole. And next week, we will pick this conversation back up and I will share some of my thoughts about how we are utilizing yoga to profit and maybe some ideas and some of the things that I've seen in my community that are really, really beautiful, I think, and supporting the culture and appreciating the culture of yoga. And also just my thoughts on appropriation in general, especially as a woman of color, what my thoughts are, because if you do not have this experience in your life, this may all really truly be new. As she mentioned in the article, for some just reading that article or maybe hearing it on yoga podcast today is a new concept. So there was so much to think about. And the link, as I mentioned, is in the show notes if you want to go back and read or start to delve deeper into this conversation. And I will be back with another episode as we turn this into a part three. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Please do go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.